Welcome to the Sports Finder Athlete Podcast. We take you through the journey of college student athletes, athletes, and touch on all things name, image, and likeness. Welcome to the business of NIL. My name is Ahmed, and today we have a very interesting session. We'll be breaking down athlete branding, uh, name, image, and likeness, NFTs, and we'll be digging deep with um, a very special guest. Uh, many of you know him as Creative Rob, so he'll be joining us today. He'll be giving us his expert opinion on uh, athlete branding, NIL, NFTs, and we'll be and also we would love for anybody who has any questions from the audience to shoot their questions through. So as soon as those questions come through, I'll relay them on to Creative Rob and we will go from there. So he should be joining us any second now. Rob, how you doing, my man? What's up, brother? How you doing, bro? Very well, thank you, sir. And yourself, how's things? Things are good. Things are good. By the way, I'm trying these new headsets that I just got from Google Pixel. Does this sound good on your end, the mic? You sound amazing, man. You sound fantastic. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> perfect. That was what's up, man. I appreciate you giving me some time to talk about what's happening in sports. And uh, these are really important issues. So thank you for the time. No, it's my absolute pleasure, man. So let's get straight into it, man. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself, your background, and then we can go from there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my name is Rob Villanueva. Um, I've been in sports for the past uh, about 15 years. I actually started out early on. I'm aging myself, but I started out back in the dot-com era um, as a network engineer. So I was always in IT, working in digital marketing, and um, spent about 10, 10 plus years doing that, working for an internet service partners um, in Silicon Valley. I worked for like AOL, um, uh, Sun Microsystems, and uh, a couple of other service providers. And then um, I, I came back to New York um, in the mid-2000s, and I was working at a media company, New York Daily News, uh, which you're probably familiar with. And I was working also on the network, network engineering side. And uh, my brother was catching a lot of national attention, my youngest brother, uh, Charlie, Charlie Villanueva. And he was catching a lot of national attention as a high school phenom, um, AAU circuit, playing the McDonald's All-American game. And uh, he had a decision to make about whether he wanted to go to college and or go to the NBA. And, of course, as a big brother and uh, someone that was well-versed in, in knowledge with uh, what happens in business, I immediately, you know, came to his need and, as a big brother should, helped guide him through some of his decision-making. And um, he decided to put his name in the draft in 2003 and then pull out and end up going to UConn, won a championship, then re-enter the draft and spent 11 years in the NBA. And I became his right-hand man. Um, so it was like a, an interesting transition from coming from uh, IT and computers and technology and engineering and then had a transition to sports and learn sports marketing and learn sports management. And now I work in sports media. Uh, I've been working for the company called the Players Tribune for the past four years now. And I absolutely love it. Uh, I mean, we're in the business of telling athlete stories. And it's a really is a dream job. You know, sometimes I have to pinch myself because it's like to be able to work with these different athletes across the, across the sport. Like it doesn't matter if it's basketball, football, baseball, volleyball, Olympics, like you name it, we've, we've done it. Um, and it's an amazing opportunity to be in this position. Fantastic, man. Fantastic. Um, I'm sure you've seen a lot of transition and change since 2003 until now. What would you say are the biggest changes since when you first got 
into into the world of sport? The biggest change is, um, I mean, social media, Web 2.0. Uh, it's funny, um, you know, with Charlie, I'll give you an example with Charlie. Back in 2009, I believe it was, 2010, you know, Twitter was around, but athletes were not actively using Twitter. I think only like Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal was one of the very few that was like had a big platform. And he used to do all these wild uh, scavenger hunts. He was really interactive with his audience. So he grew his audience on Twitter pretty fast, um, speaking about Shaq. And then I, told, I was telling Charlie about it. He was like, hey, you know, this Twitter thing is taking off in the sports world. You should do it. And he tried it. And I was like giving him the advice of like, hey, in order for you to connect to the audience, you really have to open up and kind of just break the um, – pull the curtains and really show your true self. So one time while he was in a game, they were playing, he was with the Milwaukee Bucks and they were playing against the Boston Celtics. And during the halftime, he actually tweeted, oh man, we're down by, you know, a few points. Coach wants me to step up. I want to step up. And he hit that publish button. And then the tweet went viral, like everywhere around the world because it started the conversation of like, how much is too much for athletes to really give, gain access to their, to their fan base. And they ended up winning the game, and he scored 17 points in the second half. <laughs> so, like, it didn't affect his basketball, but people would question his intentions. Where was his mind at if basketball was his focus? And just a single tweet. And back then, and even till now, athletes constantly are on their phones um, during, uh, in the locker room, uh, during halftime, during between quarters, before the game and after the game. So the NBA had to come up with a policy. They, call it, they used to call it the Charlie Villanueva rule, but it became the social media policy for the NBA that pre prevented them from accessing their phones during the games and 15, 30 minutes before and after, which was crazy. And now that rule has kind of faded out and more than ever athletes across all levels from professional to amateur have been given this empowerment to want to, want to connect more with their audience and want to continue to build their communities. So we've come a long way from 10 years, 10 plus years ago, where it was almost prohibited and looked down upon, where it was like, you shouldn't be doing this, where now everyone's doing it. Wow. Very, very powerful. Trendsetter for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, you spend a lot of time with athletes, uh, listening to their stories and basically listening to how they're, they're basically getting through their athlete lives. Uh, what is What are some of the most creative ways that you're hearing athletes and monetizing their personal brands? Well, in general, I think we are seeing more and more fans connect with athletes, like I mentioned, like, but they want to connect with the, with the athletes themselves. Um, not the teams, not the leagues, um, the athletes direct. And uh, it's something that we do so well with, with the Players' Tribune. That's part of our DNA is that we have that, we built that trust factor with the athletes that they want to come to us to tell their stories because one of our rules is everything is off the record until you want it on the record. And uh, we really try to empower the athlete's voice by building the safe haven. And I think it's important for student athletes to understand the importance of building um, their personal brands, taking ownership of this influencing space that continues to evolve. Um, and we're seeing that just now, athletes thinking more strategic about how they build and maintain their brands short-term and long-term and also learning that without a distinct vision and proper nurturing of their social media reach and content, um, their, their brands can quickly fade away or can quickly get lost with all the competitive voices. Like everyone's trying to become an influencer. And uh, if you're already in sports, you already have that advantage because you have a built-in audience, uh, whether 
is from the school or, or from the, the sport itself. Um, and I, I think it's important that uh, while, while it was really important for you to perform well because your performance on the court and on the field uh, drives the value of what your social currency is, athletes shouldn't take for granted that content is king and consistency beats everything. Uh, collaborations lead to growth. Um, it's, it's good to see athletes that are more tech savvy now, more social media savvy now, uh, rethinking their strategies, how um, they're putting audience first and they're looking for new ways to connect with the audience. Some of them are doing it through IG stories. Some of them are doing it through the TikTok videos. Some of them are hosting podcasts. Some of them are ha launching their own YouTube channels and sharing their hobbies. Some of them might be into uh, gaming and, and decide to do a, a Twitch channel as well. So uh, it's, it's, it's important that they're being proactive, they're being social, um, not uh, and on the student athlete side, not being afraid to leverage the school's resources. And, that's, and this is how I think you start to monetize what NIL can give you is when uh, you put in the importance of personal brand building uh, ahead of time uh, and, and making that a priority, um, just as important as your commitment on the court or on the field. Like, don't, don't get me wrong, like what you do on the sport, that's number one, but don't take for granted the opportunities you have and the resources that you could tap into, um, especially as a cool, uh, student uh, athlete in college. Do you think athletes, uh, student athletes in college should have strategies past their, their time in college? I mean, take the time to build their brand looking past just the three, four years that they're, that they're in college? Or would you say, should those three, four years be the, the all, the be all end all? No, I, honestly, like I, I'm telling you right now, man, and it's like the student athletes who take the most initiative on constantly building their brand and looking at it as a marathon versus a sprint, those are the ones that are going to win. Uh, you, you'll have the, the quarterback star athlete, you have the, you know, the number one guy on the basketball team or the athlete that's getting all the attention, but the position that NIO has, has given across all sports, across all student athletes is those that treat their brand almost like a media company. You want to be, uh, you want to take the approach as an entrepreneur, like put your entrepreneur thinking hat and think that way. If you're looking to build, um, currency and, and monetize your audience and uh, leverage what you've built. Like there's some people that are not about the money. They're just doing it for fun. And that's cool because kids can just be kids. But if you're looking to take a serious approach, you need a serious plan. Awesome. What would you, what would you say are the, are the biggest lessons that you can share with, with athletes when it comes to monetizing the NIL? Just some key points. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is, pretty still pretty new i feel like we're still in the first inning the the one thing i would say like well a couple of things the ncaa is not necessarily on your side they're fighting their battles as well with with the laws uh and with the lawmakers to favor them and you have to take that into realization uh really fast don't get me wrong you'll probably have uh someone that's a uh a point of contact in your school and some schools already have incorporated nil programs that you can depend on for questions, but take matters into your own hands. Um, I would say start with thinking about who you're looking to, to connect with and how does your content help you do that. Um, I feel like with certain athletes that are already looking to establish relationships with brands, feel free to reach out, feel free to start following them, feel free to 
connect with them, engage with them, comment on their feeds, be proactive about it. Uh, that can very much lead to new opportunities and look to post often, look to post with purpose. Um, and like, uh, there's a power to storytelling and you can convey that post by post and build this outline outside of what you do on the sport to, I, I would say people connect with people. So if you're able to provide your fans or your potential fans, the human side of you, be more personal, be more intimate uh, with your post and also make it a two-way street where you're also engaging, you'll start realizing that you can build that following growth much faster. And I think it's also important to find content pillars and, and find that balance, like whether you want to do like a 80-20 or 70-30 where this is sports and this is personal or maybe is 60-30-10 um, and you're, you're doing sports, uh, whatever that sport is, and you're, you're, you're posting about that, um, sharing content, but then you're also sharing something about your hobbies, and then maybe you're, you're sharing something that nobody knew about you. Um, the, the one thing is almost like the law of attraction. Put out what you're looking to gain and, um, and be consistent about it, and you'll, you'll start noticing some doors opening up. Awesome, awesome. Before we get into the whole world of NFTs, we'll quickly take a question. Yeah, that'd be dope. Uh, what do you think the key differences between male and female athletes when it comes to building their brands and NIL opportunities? It's funny because, like, I feel like the, you know, some some folks may not want to hear this, but I feel like in these this NIL position that we had, females have all, a lot of leverage uh, because there's an untapped there's an untapped uh, sector in the market. Um, there's um, I forget the name. Um, oh man, um, I'm trying to remember the name. It was. Um, student athlete from LSU, uh, she has over like a million followers on Instagram and like over 4 million on TikTok. And uh, she's already struck deals. She's already projected to make a seven figure deal. Um, and, and, and part of that is because uh, if regardless of gender, regardless of gender, uh, if you're putting attention and, you're, and you're, you're being mindful about how you're building your brand, you're gonna win regardless of gender. But I feel like the female student athlete those are sports that are intact and brands, when it comes to brands, brands launching campaigns, there's levels to it. There could be local, regional or national. And, uh, you know, we've done with the Players Tribune, we've done a number of campaigns and what brands and clients ask is like, you know, how does that audience look like in this market? Like I'm trying to reach New York between the ages of 18, uh, 25. And when, when you get down to those specifics, if, um, Areas that are on tap or not saturated like it is with college football and like it is with men's basketball. Those are two big uh, visible sports. Uh, but on, on the female side, I think if, if they become more active, um, working with the schools, doing collaborations, even with um, the, the men's sports side, doing collaborations to so that way you can connect to a new, new audience, uh, it's, it's ways that you can leverage, uh, leverage to your advantage to continue to build the brand and to attract brands that are looking to do local deals. Awesome, awesome. Um, the world of NFTs, uh, a lot of noise. It's a big world. Yeah, yeah, a lot of noise, a lot of creative solutions, a lot of platforms coming into into the game. Um, what's your thoughts on how athletes can, can maximize uh, opportunities through NFTs? Yeah, and I'm, I'm assuming the viewers already know what NFTs, but just as a little 
crash course. Um, NFT stands for non-fungible tokens, and they have exploded this past year in the art world, in the music world, in the sport trading car world um, as collectibles. It's um, it's better viewed as a digital asset that represents a real-world object, um, and that could be through multiple media, digital art. Uh, there's, there's a lot of different ways, and it's brought and sold online with, dig with digital currency, which is cryptocurrency, and especially on the Ethereum blockchain uh, uh, blockchain technology. Uh, but with NFTs is, especially how athletes have been taking for advantage, uh, the market of sports for NFTs have widely driven because a number of things have happened in these last like past year or two. NBA Top Shot has a lot to do with that. You know, for people to digest the idea of having a highlight that they can view on YouTube or view on their phones anywhere else and consider that something of value it was, that's a hard entry point, but NBA Top Shot has been able to accomplish that and the numbers speak for itself. So there is um, an ongoing market that continues to grow. There's, we're still a long way away when it comes to NFTs, but the idea of thinking as NFTs as a, uh, a digital collectible asset, where the same way, reason why, like if you think about a sporting card, a sporting card is a piece of paper with a picture on it. Like if, if I was to take an autographed Shaquille O'Neal rookie card and make a copy of it, the difference is the, the originality, right? The ownership, I can't replicate that. I can't do a Xerox copy of it and try to sell it. That's, they're gonna, someone's gonna call my bluff, uh, uh, bluff word. So with NFTs, it, it really concentrates on representing ownership and, and tracking all that. So um, a, a good example of, of athletes taking advantage of NFTs, and uh, I don't remember with, um, Evan Mobley, which is, he was the number third pick in the 2000, in this year's, this year's draft, the 2021 draft. And he declared for the NBA draft back in April, but he didn't do it to your traditional route. He didn't do it to his agent. He didn't do it to like some sort of PR angle. He didn't do it to the Players' Tribune, which is something that, that we often do. But he, he decided to make the announcement through an NFT where he released his NFT as uh, a collection where the, whatever owner purchases is entitled to, to get two signed jerseys of him. They're entitled to two uh, tickets uh, during a game. So now there's a mixture of digital world and real world that's happening and, and real interaction that you know is being authenticated by the athletes themselves. So that sold for, I think, 2.1 Ethereums, which translates to the US dollars. At the time, it was like two over 2,000 2, bucks. And now it's about, so the Ethereum went up and it, yeah, it's about six, 7,000. So it, it's such a new space and it's, there's a lot of future developments, but they're proven concepts. And with NIL and NFTs working together, athletes should think outside the box when it comes to uh, uh, an athlete wanting to either partner up with a, a creator or a digital artist to do something cool, or maybe it's just you want to create a cool experience. But think of it, think of it as a contract versus um, something that you could you know, show off on your phone. Um, these experiences, like the fandom is crazier than ever. And when, you know, back then when I, when I was telling Charlie about tweeting during halftime, you know, he, he pulled the curtains halfway to give fans an, an inside look. And the more you can think of the relationship between you and the fan, um, the more ideas you can come about with NFTs. Absolutely. It's definitely being used uh, more as a community builder nowadays. Uh, and an access point for fans to really engage with their athletes, which is which is pretty awesome. And we're seeing a, a, a lot more different things 
moving forward. Um, and talking about NFTs, in the coming weeks, we will be launching our own NFT marketplace and we'll have a few interesting athletes on there. So that's just a little plug. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's dope. There's, I'm seeing a lot of like uh, just dedicated marketplaces that are now having their own little niche. Like uh, I think it's a company called by, a company named by Skybox. They're, uh, they're just doing like NFTs for division one football players and basketball players. And I think Olympians too. But it's, it's just interesting that how we're in this early stage. And I remember it, uh, I was at the heart of the dot-com era back in the mid-90s when I was living in Silicon Valley as an engineer. All these uh, virtual capitalist companies, like if you had an idea of pets.com, windows.com, doors.com, lights.com, whatever it is, the domain was available. So if you had that and didn't have a plan, they were throwing money your way. And I, I'm seeing a little bit of that happening now where you know, people are, are excited about the idea and the concept around NFTs. So like there, there's going to be some correction that's going to happen with these numbers. Uh, I'm not saying that the bubble is going to burst, but these are some outrageous numbers. Uh, so if you're looking for a quick cash grab as a student athlete, you can go ahead and do that. But I can tell you that that's not going to be your best plan. You got to think about this long term and think about adding this as another component to your community building. Well, just to validate that, I was I spoken to two agents this week. Two, yeah, two college fo- uh, two of them have football athletes, and they have ga- they have guarantees without pre the sale, guarantees pre the sales, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Wow, guarantees. Wow, pre the sale. Yes, yeah, see, like you you'll ha- you'll have a lot of these cash grabs from media brands to marketing brands to athletes themselves to reps. Uh, like I'll give a shout out to Des Bryant. I don't even remember Des Bryant, Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's very he's, he's still, up, he's still, yeah, he's he's still based out here in Dallas, but he's taking a whole different approach where he's he's like reverse engineer the whole thing and building it from the ground up. And I like his approach and his long term uh, commitment to the NFT world because uh, he just didn't dive in for the cash grab. He learned about it. He put the right team together and he's offering his resources to other athletes. Um, and the, the artwork that they've put out is dope too. It's cool. Uh, but I, I feel like his approach, thinking about this more long-term is where he's really going to win. And, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks are just starting to scratch the surface. Um, but, but when it comes back to like NIL and how can student athletes take advantage of, of, platforms and technology like this like you got to first figure out your why and your what before anything um you can't just go into it just because you think it's going to get you more followers or you think it's going to get you some cash and i know some some student athletes are, are starving for for buying the next meal um but but you know be patient and and really know what you want i mean if, if it's if if your thing is not about looking to play, play professionally and you know that the college uh era will come to your sports career is going to come to an end at the college level, then start planting those seeds earlier and leverage what the platform and the window that the school offers, uh, whether you're a D1 school or D3 school, like these schools have attention and you know, you have to figure out how do you want to leverage your attention to your benefit? Absolutely, man. I think, uh, this is an awesome way to wrap it up. Uh, Mr. Rob, thank you so much. You've been absolutely, absolutely amazing. Uh, if people want to get touch, cool, man. get in touch with you online, how do they do so? For sure. I'm uh, uh, robvillanueva.com is my main website. Also, creativebyrob.com is also my main, uh, another website. But creativebyrob is, is, is my social media handle on all 
social media platforms from Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, you name it, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much on it. And, uh, you know, this social media growth, the social media life that we all live in and how we're trans transitioning to this Web 3.0 with artificial intelligence and with blockchain technology, it's um, something that's inevitable. Um, so don't don't overstress. Like uh, I, I can't stress enough, especially for student athletes. Like you need to have fun, and wherever you're having fun at, and if you're able to connect with a a, 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 a thriving community, then stick stick there. You don't have to do. You don't have to be in every platform. Uh, so yeah, just remember to have fun, and this is a uh, this is always going to be an ongoing thing. So whatever you do at day one is going to be ten is going to be a hundred times better when you're doing that at day 100. So don't don't get discouraged. Awesome. Rob, thank you so much for joining me on the business of NIL. Take care, my man. Appreciate it, brother. Have a good one. Peace. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Sports Finder Podcast. Subscribe to our show for the latest episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And for more information, check out our website at sportsfinder.com.